And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Great Movies Podcast, a show where we discuss the films in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay, The Great Movies. Today, we're discussing the movie Ali, Fear Eats the Soul, a pseudo-horror documentary where Muhammad Ali scoops out people's souls and eats them for breakfast. Or so me and my co-hosts thought when we first heard the title in our own respective times. Uh, this movie is a German new wave film directed by Rainer Werner Fassbender, hopefully I did that right, in which Emmy, an aging German woman played by Brigitte Mira, and Ali, a young Arab immigrant played by El-Hedi Belsalim, are brought together by fate, uh, which forms a deep friendship and then a romantic relationship as they struggle to settle into being together in a Germany in which the heir of Hitler's discrimination is still lurking. The film was released in 1974 as a quote-unquote cinematic exercise between his two supposedly bigger releases, Marta and Effie Briest. Or Brest. Or hmm. Needless to say, Ali Fierce's Soul became Fassbender's biggest release and the most well-received movie of his on the whole. It pays influence in, to imitation of life and all that heaven allows in many aspects and has come to be known as one of the best romantic films of all time. So... What did you guys come into Ali Fury to Soul with? What were your expectations? And have you seen any other Fassbender movies? I have not. This was my first. Um, like you hinted at, I had never heard it. I heard of it until we uh, picked up the Great Movies book and I was flipping through and I did legitimately assume it was a documentary about Muhammad Ali until yeah, which I, I like, did too until I was like because I, I could see that right fear each the soul if you told me that was something Muhammad Ali had said I would have been like yeah that sounds right <laughs> um yeah so I knew nothing about it um until like flipping through the book and then I did you know some like casual reading and, and googling and and what have you and um it's like oh okay sort of sad you know little maybe bittersweet romantic movie um it was even like darker than i expected um going in blind so i i'm not sure if i'm curious if i want to see more fastbender movies or not after this i'd have to think about it i've heard this is nicest film see that's yeah that's kind of what i heard too and oh god he seems like a interesting guy we can talk about it <laughs> nick yeah, I had seen this once before. This was another one of the like end of Filmstruck era movies that I saw, uh, like right at the very end. <clears throat> uh, but this is the only Fassbender I've seen, so I've seen this twice, and the rest of his whatever forty movies that he made. And he died when he was in his mid thirties. Um, this is the only one I've seen. Some of them are like incredibly long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there any ones that? I guess Jenna doesn't want to see more, but is there any Nick that you particularly have like on your watch list that you're looking into? Uh, I'm intrigued by Berlin Alexander plots just because it's another one of those movies. It's like, it's so long that I'm intimidated by it, but that makes me interested in it as well. It's an exercise um, in endurance as much as a uh, film to be watched. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if it's actually considered a TV series or not. Oh, sure. Well, we got the deck. Like a decalogue, yeah. Yeah. Uh, y- y- you just got through Sutton Tango, 
uh, Nick, you don't need to exercise anymore. Yeah, I, I need a break from incredibly long movies. Um, but, I mean, he's he's got some other ones. Uh, uh, the Petra Van Kant movie is supposed to be very good. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the one that I have on my watch list. Yeah. Uh, right but now. F- from what I know about it, it's a little bit heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've heard. <laughs> which is fine. But, no, I... I you know he's he's a really well regarded uh filmmaker i just for whatever reason he's a, a pretty big blind spot for me other mm-hmm. than this soul movie yeah me too um this was also just like nick the second time we've seen this was zero other fast bender experience um i had previously had it in like my top 15 movies of all time um getting into a little bit of uh pre-review thoughts it didn't exactly hit that level that i had it at before but that's not to say it wasn't still great on rewatch Fair. yeah the the year that i look i went back and looked because i think it was two years ago um that i watched this and i've for the last few years been ranking all the movies that i've seen for the first time uh like at, at the end of the year mm-hmm. and this one didn't quite make the top 10 um I forget what else was in that list exactly. I know it was just behind Tampopo, which is a movie that I talk about all the time. (laughs) Uh, And Moment of Innocence was also... uh, Oh, that's the best movie. Yeah, it was somewhere (laughs) on that list higher. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's a movie that I like, I appreciate. But I remember you having it like super high on your all-time list. And feeling like uh, I either miss the boat or i just like am kind of cold like i i like it but uh that was not the reaction that i had to it watching mm-hmm. it the first time yeah that's fair anyway so let's get into the movie oh Jana, do you have some opening thoughts on it um i mean not i, I did I mean, spoiler alert i liked it um you know i think mm-hmm. it's very good and very deserving of its reputation um i have some quibbles but um yeah i mean overall very very glad to have watched it as usual um and was pretty impressed by it okay all right well uh the movie opens on our one of our two main characters emmy coming into a bar to find shelter from the rain um there she meets ollie uh who is sitting along with other um uh more blue collar workers and immigrant friends of his at the bar uh and it's the bartender correct that um kind of goads him into getting her Mm -hmm. to dance sarcastically almost and he does and uh they they hit it off pretty well so what do you guys think of this opening scene i really like uh emmy just in general I think uh, mm-hmm. Brigitte Mira is great I have obviously haven't seen her or anything else I, I was just taken by her immediately I liked her whole vibe I liked her just walking into that bar and saying it was raining I'll sit down and her awkwardness trying to order a cola <laughs> um, I I dug her in general and so I thought I did a good job in that opening scene of just immediately dropping you into this place and making it feel believable that yeah this one was just walking home and it's raining and you know she just hops into this bar she was curious about the music because uh, I, yeah, I was... didn't worry about any setup no exactly she's and I because I had wondered see, knowing what the movie was about I'm like well how how would these people meet like how would they actually come together what contrived circumstance no no contrived circumstance she just wanted to go into that bar <laughs> see see what was happening <laughs> so I, I liked the simplicity of that 
Mm-hmm. We skipped over the. There's like a pre-title card. Um, oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just says happiness is not always fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That. That also. That. Speaking of setting the mood, uh, as soon as that came up, I was Shut like, "Okay, fast here we go." <laughs> yeah. If the distant glances in the rain um, mm-hmm. didn't set the mood, yeah. happiness is not always fun. Definitely makes it clear what kind of movie you're getting into. Right. This isn't going to be some sort of happily ever after, like beautiful love, you know, conquers all kind of mm-hmm. story. At least not a traditional kind. Yeah. yeah. Which um, we can. Have you guys seen all that heaven allows? No. no, I went and like read about it a little bit after you mentioned having watched it, but yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I rewatched it for this, and that one is a little bit more um, Hollywoody, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I actually like it better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We'll we'll get into like I have a couple minor quibbles with this movie, but um, the the look of that movie is like incredible. It's it's one of the yeah. best looking movies really ever made. Um, which I, I appreciate a lot. And this one, this movie also does a lot of interesting things with mm-hmm. um, like the framing of people. Yeah. And I like how <laughs> so much framing. framing. Yeah. And we, and we're introduced to that like right away in this scene where mm-hmm. Emmy sits at the end of the bar and it looks like they're so far away from her. Right. Yeah. They, I feel like he does that a lot playing with the perspective where, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people will be shot like they're in these really cramped spaces and, but then he will, shoot it in such a way to yeah make it look like they're just miles apart where she's at one very far end and then they're grouped together at the end of the bar then it feels yeah like a world away what did you guys think of um emmy's dress in the first bit of this i liked all of her dresses like like she has a lot of them i think it's in the first scene I think she wears it a couple of times. It's like has this like geometric pattern on it. Is that one? Yeah. <laughs> when she like when when uh, Ollie mm-hmm. got her coat off yeah. when they were about to start dancing, I was like, whoa! Yeah. That dress. I know. And she ha- and then she has another one later that's similarly patterned in different colors. And I just I guess it's the seventies. And but the, so it makes sense. <laughs> so I think it actually is probably very of the time period, and you still see dresses mm-hmm. like that now. But just because. It felt so old-fashioned, and she's this older woman. Yeah, I did. It did stand out to me also that I was like, "Oh, interesting. Not what I expected." I don't mm. remember this dress at all. Oh. Apparently, I'm like really bad at paying attention to costuming. <laughs> oh yeah, I noticed the costuming a lot in this movie. I thought there's a lot of interesting choices he makes with what she wears and he wears in various scenes. Yeah, and there's a whole conversation about what. Yeah, he that's wears. true. With his suit. And then he literally changes his costume sure. into that. Yeah, I did pay attention. And that we'll get into that. But it's one thing that I, I think he could have done differently. Um, but yeah, so after, after, like later in the next mm-hmm. scene, I started paying attention a little bit more to what Holly specifically is yeah. wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys like the first dance scene that they had together? Which I think kind of sets the tone for the movie. I, I love this scene. I, I love their discussion back and forth. And it really sets up, um, I mean, like, this movie took place 40 years ago in a country that I've never been, but it gives you a very good idea of the social dynamics between like the Germans and non-German people and specifically the Arab people. He's mm-hmm. from uh, Morocco right. and he says he's been there for a couple of years and it just shows how like, obviously Hitler comes up uh, a couple times in this movie and they don't, I don't think they talk about the, um, or I guess they allude to the the Black September Munich attacks, like yeah. the people in the hall, the the neighbors. Right. Do. 
but they don't say it overtly, but still like it, it it's not an accident, I think, that um this character is Arab. Right. Um and some of the things that he says about the way the Germans treat Arabs, mm-hmm. he's like he says Germans with Arabs not good. Mm-hmm. And he says that they're different people. Mm-hmm. Um I think the way that the social structure is set up is is really well done. Yeah. Is it in this scene? Where he talks, I can't remember if it's in this scene or it was one of their later conversations where he talks about where he lives, which is basically like a worker's dormitory, you know, with mm-hmm. like oh, people yeah. crammed into rooms and bunk beds and things like that. And so it does, it right away establishes their very different lifestyles. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's like right before she tells him that she, that he can yeah, stay over probably. at her yeah. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In which, uh, a- after the dance scene, though, they, they go to um, Emmy's uh, mm-hmm. home, and we meet some of the neighbors, um, mm-hmm. who are also cleaning ladies as well. Right? I couldn't all... tell if her neighbors were, you know, just busybody neighbors, and then there's the separate busybody cleaning lady <laughs> co-workers that she has. Okay. There's a lot of, yeah. like, rude uh, older women running around this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, but we we immediately start to get this this the sense of the racism oh, yeah. that's like mm-hmm. flooded around um, our two main mm-hmm. characters, um, and then uh, Ollie, uh, as we mentioned, stays over at Emmy's uh, place. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of the the first night together that they had? I mean, I th- I thought it was very sweet. I think at the beginning, sort of like Nick was saying, that first scene in the bar is also sweet at the beginning. Um, you know, there is this sense of foreboding because of the time and the place and the, you know, neighbor's commentary when they come in and everything. But it does start from this surprisingly natural, you know, they have chemistry. They have this sort of nice back and forth. They're both a little bit sad and she's obviously... You know, she, there's a couple times when he wants to leave when he first comes over, and she's like, one more drink, ten more minutes. <laughs> like, she just <laughs> wants to have company so badly. So yeah. cute. Um, you know, and then, basically, then, you know, spends the night, wake up together, and you're like, oh, okay, so it's gonna be that kind of relationship. All right. Um, <laughs> and I, it has a sense of foreboding over it, but I, I like these opening scenes maybe the best, just because you can really buy this relationship, which is so essential for the movie to work at all i think i felt like the relationship started a much quickly oh, much it, much more quickly than this i whole expected movie just i lost track often of how much time had passed it was helpful mm-hmm. every once in a while like there's a line much later in the movie towards the end when she makes the comment you know i've been married for three months or something and i was like you have been okay um <laughs> it's re- i had a really hard time keeping track of there were scenes where i thought it was like the next day, but it couldn't have been the next day. I, so mm-hmm. it just moves very quickly. And I think, I'm sure it's a choice just to say, he's just going to show you the things that matter. Just this sequence, this sequence, this event, and cut out anything else in between. Yeah, he cuts out uh, like a couple of pretty major events. Like they don't show, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but they don't show the wedding at all. Like it just cuts yeah. to, mm-hmm. and then they're married. Exactly. We should get married. Okay. And then they're married. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like 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 what you were saying, Jenna. I think this movie works best in the first act. Like I, I love the just the conversations between these two to open up, um, and then the is it her neighbor or is it her landlord uh, who sees them when they're first walking into the apartment together for the first time? It's one of the neighbors. Neighbor. Yeah. Okay. 
she sees them and she stares at Ali and he just kind of stares back mm-hmm. at her and he doesn't say anything, but you know, like that, you know exactly what that look right. means. He, 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 Emmy doesn't even seem to realize that the neighbor's glaring at them and judging them, but Ali looks at her and he knows, right. like he's seen that look before. He knows exactly what that means. Yeah. And then mm. I, I love, uh, after they walk away, Emmy's, uh, the neighbor says about Emmy that she's not really German. Right. Because she has a Polish mm-hmm. name. But it's her husband's right. name. So, like, like, literally, she is German, but even associating with someone from not even uh, Morocco, mm-hmm. but just, just a neighboring, neighboring country. country. Yeah. That's enough to, right. like, tarnish the entire personhood. Right. Um, spinning, like, there's, there's one thing that I wanted to touch on um, in the first scene where they mm-hmm. meet. Just, like, speaking of the, like tarnishing one's entire identity mm-hmm. is that his name isn't actually right Ali. right mm-hmm. yeah and ollie's not even short for right. anything in his name exactly it's probably just kind of a racist nickname like right yeah. like it's just a generic name for you know an arab person <laughs> and so yeah that's exactly yeah what yeah because when he says his and his, is his full name the same full name as the actor or is it just extremely close it's it, the first part of his full name is the, is actor's, the, is the name. actor's name. Okay. Yeah, because um, yeah, I was that felt yeah very intentional. Because yeah, he makes that comment, but people call me this, and she also you know and she calls him that all the time too. And there's never really any discussion of maybe mm-hmm. not, <laughs> maybe calling him by his actual name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like that touch. It feels very real. Like that happens all sure. the time with uh, people. You know, inform people who move to. Uh, America, like we see that right. a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my my grandpa's name, uh, he was Chinese and came here in like the forties or fifties, I guess. Uh, he always went by John. I don't even know what his his Chinese name was because he used it at work, and it was much easier for people right. to say mm-hmm. John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's the, so that still happens um, all the time. Like I talk to a lot oh, of people yeah. in my line of work um, who mostly are Chinese, and yeah, I'll you know, see their full names and then, but it's always introduced with, but call me this. And it's, you know, some mm-hmm. Americanized name or nickname. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think, um, these early scenes as well kind of start to represent like, <sighs> there's like different levels of racism in different people. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And while Emmy loves mm-hmm. Ollie and he, she's very kind to Ollie, she still has this, mentality that is kind of backwards and i think the first time you notice that is when she offhandedly says like you know hitler <laughs> that's <laughs> like, when they ah! go to eat as i know we're, we're gonna just skip ahead in this movie because the time is so confusing <laughs> anyway but when they was it supposed to be funny when they're outside the italian restaurant and she was like you know hitler loved this restaurant i've always wanted to eat here <laughs> Because Hitler loved it, like I was, I genuinely was not sure if that was straight face. If that was supposed to be funny, I, I laughed, laughed too, and I was like, I hope that's a, I, I, was like, I hope that's a dark joke because I was just like, what? But it's a, you're... and I, I like how Ali responds that just like right, yes, exactly. I know Hitler, Hitler, you know Hitler, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll I know the the Emmy, like, I think she's such a fascinating character, and it's really wild, especially watching this movie. You know, forty years later, forty years on. You know, she is very 
um, recognizable as the kind of white person who sort of is blind to racism and then something Mm -hmm. happens in their Mm -hmm. life and it starts to affect them and you know so she feels so sad about it and then spoiler alert the second that she has the opportunity to maybe get you know not treated like that anymore it's very easy as a white person to just be like well that was too hard i'm gonna go back to acting (laughs) like all the other white people Mm -hmm. you know and you still it's still such an issue now and so it was interesting to watch it and say oh emmy (laughs) You know, she just doesn't, she just doesn't know. Yeah. Um, and I I almost feel like <sighs> Emmy doesn't even, like, understand that she right. is racist. Like, I feel like she didn't necessarily agree with probably Hitler's racist mm-hmm. ideals. But she mentioned, like, she was part of the mm-hmm. party. And I think she was just like, oh, look at this big, strong right. man. He was he led right. the country. It's just a, yeah, previous not, leader of the country. She didn't like question right. it. Yeah. yeah. No, I and you get the sense too that she definitely goes on a journey in this movie and learns a lot about, you know, taking care of someone who's close to you and things like that. But I don't think that she really probably learned much about, about you know, the struggle of a uh, immigrant in her country or anything like that. She might have started getting it yeah, at the end. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I still think this is better than, like, the blind side, Well, though. sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think we can give it that. I think if we say nothing else, this is a better movie than the blind side is a fair <laughs> comment. Or or just examining, yeah. like... Yeah, the, the dynamics the, of, yeah. The blind white exactly. uh, view on yeah. others. It could be any others, yeah. really, a lot of the time. So he, he sleeps with Emmy at her place. Um, Before we forget. Yes. Uh, he comes over to have a drink. Mm-hmm. They share a cognac, mm-hmm. which is from, do you guys remember? No. Uh-uh. It was a Christmas present from oh, her son. Oh, was it? It was. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, there, there we go. go. Got, got a Christmas reference, at least. Definitely no baseball in this movie. Um, yes, no baseball, but Ali fear it's the soul. Officially a Christmas movie. <laughs> Close enough. Thank you for yes. noting that. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, they do have a lot of that cognac. Um, yeah. Anyway, then they wake up. Um, the grin on Ali's face in the morning when Emmy like, wakes up and finds mm-hmm. him in her bed. It's the best yeah. grin. They're still really <laughs> sweet like, then. That was a good time yeah. last night. They're still very sweet at that point. Um, and they talk a lot in the morning about um, loneliness and fear, and um, it's framed in the doorway. Mm-hmm. It feels very claustrophobic, but they feel very pushed together. And I think it's mm-hmm. one of those moments. The framing yeah. in this movie. Oh, I heard when I think the first time I noticed it, aside from in the bar, is when they're first the first conversation they have at the apartment, and they're each on. You know, there's like that little tiny kitchen table and, you know, she's standing on one side and he's sitting on the other and it's framed through the doorway and you can only barely see them (laughs) like on each side of the door frame. Anyway, (laughs) you can just sort of see half of them. And so it's this very, yeah, you're sort of removed, but there it's very claustrophobic, Uh, makes a lot of choices with shooting a lot of things through doorways and to make everything feel very like scrunched together, but far away. Yeah, I love the way he does that. He does it sometimes, too, where he'll have somebody, like, standing in front mm-hmm. of the camera. So they're, like, blocking right. maybe a, a quarter of the frame yeah. uh, side to so side. So much foreground-background yeah. sort of balance. 
feel it felt very Ozu to me, and I love Ozu, so it worked well for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think the way he shoots things is probably what I like best about this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and then Emmy um, has lunch with some women, mm-hmm. um, some friends of hers who make some very overtly racist comments. We can't skip past the Fury It's the Soul part of the oh, conversation. Yes. It's, that, it's that morning, right? When mm-hmm. they have the Fury It's the Soul conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he makes, he says that line, makes that observation, and she really likes it. Yeah. She responds. I was like, oh, wow, okay. And he says it's like a Moroccan saying, I guess, I or, so. or an, an Arab yeah. saying. And it also is a good example of how the movie is very upfront about, you know, he speaks very broken German. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't speak, I guess, in what would be considered grammatically proper, which is not something that I think any of us would recognize from listening to it, but right. they do it literally in the subtitles. You know, they'll have him, you know, speak in sort of like the, you know, me say this kind of, like, very broken. Uh, I felt like it went a little too hard into There were a it. couple of scenes where I didn't, love it um as the movie went on but and i wasn't sure how realistic it felt yeah i I mean just because i feel like they're they seem to have this very good close relationship that feels like it might be hard if their the language wasn't quite as smooth as that but i i don't know like they i also think that it was subtler at first than as the movie went on well I think the movie gets less subtle as it goes on in general, so that was just part of it. <laughs> that that is uh, yeah. the lack of subtlety is kind of like my big gripe about this movie. Mm-hmm. the uh, The original title, or like the German title, if you translate it um, directly, it actually I think is "Fear Eat Soul Up" or something yes. like that, where it's mm-hmm. like it's that saying only it's purposely um, like improperly translated. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think an interesting thing though with the. Um, the women who Emmy is having lunch with the next day mm-hmm. is they're not only making like racist comments about Ali. They're also making like really sexist comments about other women mm-hmm. that sleep with foreign people oh, yeah. or, and so, so much discrimination in this movie, especially because well, right after that, she goes to visit her daughter. I was going to say, I was like, this movie is filled with people being terrible to one another and we go from that conversation to, um, you know, one of, I'm guessing we'll encounter this many times, but instances of a director just plopping himself right in the mm. middle of the movie <laughs> to play a uh, prominent role uh, where she sees the daughter with the son-in-law who is played by Fassbender, who's just a real dirtbag, <laughs> real dirtbag of a guy who's just too lazy to go to work and calling out sick and being rude and terrible and yeah very mean to his wife very cruel to yeah foreign workers at his work yeah yeah he's you know and at this point at least emmy and her daughter seem to have an okay you know okay relationship she's happy that her mom comes over but you can tell it's not the closest and i at least got the sense that the son-in-law probably didn't help (laughs) No, <laughs> that 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 whole part was like cordial at best, right? Like just yeah, really barely stiff. tolerating each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a conversation they have earlier. Uh, I think it's in the bar, or maybe it's uh, like the first night at um, her apartment. But she says she talks about how lonely she is, and right. her kids. He's like, "Well, don't you have kids?" And she's like, "Yeah, they all live here." 
and, and to him, that's like, oh. yeah. To him, that's uh, like completely unusual and atypical for for what their mm-hmm. families apparently are much more closely knit. And here, she seems more just like a nuisance uh, to right. her children. And and I think it's in that conversation where Emmy has a line, you know, to the effect of like, "Well, cultures are different," or you know, mm-hmm. something. We do things differently here. Yeah. And she's kind of being i think a little defensive about the fact that yeah she has these terrible adult children who don't pay any attention to her and she's like well we do things differently here it's like yeah but okay <laughs> yeah and this is one of the the scene where we meet um her daughter and son-in-law it's uh-huh. a little bit too much for me like yeah. we've already seen mm-hmm. that the people in the bar don't like that they're associating her neighbors are bad her coworkers are bad we need to have like a good person in there somewhere or it's just like I, we get people are racist. We know like mm-hmm, not every scene right. needs to, needs to hit, hit that nail that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, um, Ali and Emmy kind of fill that good person role, even though they both have their own faults. <laughs> there's <laughs> like a, there's still this, like the, the love and sweetness between them is what keeps me going through all these scenes of very negative or hor- horribleness. Um, it's bad. A lot of it's bad. <laughs> um, and I think the I think the next thing that happens in this after um, the whole meeting with the um, other women in the place and meeting with the daughter is um, there. The, it cuts to a scene with them eating dinner or something mm-hmm. and the landlord of emmy's place comes yeah like the landlord's he, son or something yeah yeah and he immediately assumes he's a squatter <laughs> um and th- but then emmy's just like oh no we're getting married um and here at was, which point he's just, like okay right like, that's, what I was gonna, that's what i was gonna say is here's an example of someone who did not react in like a terrible way like i expected you know he was like you didn't read your lease and no subletting and you know you can't have a lodger get him out and so when she says, oh, well, actually, you know, we're getting married, instead of being, you know, horrified or reacting grossly or rudely, he goes, oh, okay, I had no idea. All right. <laughs> Glad you're not violating your lease. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he seems the most chill about it of anybody else that yeah, she interacts but with. I, I still think he has this, like, ingrained sort of, well, like, he immediately assumed this was course. a squatter. Right. And there's another part, I think there's like the only other scene he's in, um, Emmy and Ollie walk out of uh, their house and he's standing on the street and this is after they're married, but he refers to her as her old Polish name. Right. I forget what it is. Yeah. Which I, I don't know if the movie explicitly says if Mm -hmm. Emmy takes his name. She She, might not. She says she does when they walk out of the, after they, when it cuts to them having Oh, that's right. I have a really long name. I have a really long name now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he, like, he's, he's more accepting about it, but he's still got his own sort of prejudices or. And of course, if she'd, you know, someone obviously he'd seen or someone had reported to him that this guy was there. And so obviously the assumption is she just got some poor guy to move in with her to pay rent or whatever. Whereas obviously if it had been a middle-aged or older white dude, he probably would have been like, oh, she has a boyfriend. You know, yeah. but that's not the assumption here. Um, but what did you guys think of um, Emmy's uh, announcement? Surprisingly announcement. <sighs> In front of Ollie that they were going to be married and Ollie's reaction to it. Yeah, he loves it. He's like, great idea. <laughs> I loved that so much. <laughs> Funny. Well, and that's, 
I wasn't sure. I, I think I think we're supposed to think that, you know, he's just a nice guy, or at least at this point, he's just a sweet guy, and they have this connection, and he's like, okay, sure, why not? We'll get married. Um, you know, I don't know if there's supposed to be any, like, I don't know what the advantage of marrying her, I guess it's to get out of it, could be to get out of his current life and sort of, you know, move up in the world, but... Um, you know, I for, didn't ever see yeah, it. That yeah, I, 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 I'm so cynical. I was like, mm, I don't know. But for the most part, it just seems like a very, you know, genuine reaction. She just said it maybe because out of the back of her mind it was wishful thinking. You know, like subliminally she had this idea because immediately she's like, oh, I don't know why I said that. I, I just mm. had to say something very quickly. <laughs> you know, I don't know where that came from. And then as soon as he says, oh, I think it's a good idea. You know, like we've said, next thing you know, they're married. And they seem really happy about it. So... And he's wearing a light suit instead of a dark suit because he looks sad in dark suits. Right, yeah. She says in the beginning he looks sad. And it's after um, she goes to the bar, like, I think after their first night together. Mm-hmm. And he's not there. And she right. goes home and he's waiting for her. He's still wearing mm-hmm. a dark suit. Yeah. And then after that, like, after they get together, not the first time, but the second time, mm-hmm. uh, is the last time we see him where anything that's dark and and it's one of those like maybe i'm off base here but he kind of made this movie in a rush he they shot it in like two weeks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just crazy they didn't shoot it in two weeks he finished it in two weeks from start to finish so i i wonder if his plan was to have him wear the dark suits when he's with Emmy, have him only like he'll wear light T-shirts and like mm-hmm. that that tan suit. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the idea was to have him wear a dark suit again at the end when things go awry in their relationship, mm-hmm. and they just forgot. <laughs> they just forgot to do it or ran out of time. Because otherwise, could, he should like when he's sad, he should wear the dark suit. Dark suit, yeah. We actually we, we did skip over that scene, and I forgot about it. But that might be my favorite scene in the movie when she goes back to the bar. And he's not there, mm-hmm. and she's disappointed. And you're like, and oh. Right, and then it's so sweet, and then yeah, she'd gone to find him, but he'd come to find her, and yeah. then they're both so happy when they see each other on the street. I I loved that part. Um, yeah, and then that's one of the last, like, just the two of them happy together before the world <laughs> comes in and makes everything terrible again. Yep. Um, and then. So, so they marry. Yeah. They go to the Italian <laughs> restaurant. They have. <laughs> they go to Hitler's favorite restaurant. Which is so weird. Yeah. And there's no one there. So this is one of many scenes where they're just alone, where there's mm-hmm. nobody there. And, like, and except for a really shitty grumpy waiter. waiter. Right. Except yeah, for that. I awful was going to try to say he's bad, so bad. Right. And it's one thing, like, in the bar where they sort of are isolated, but you can see the people around, like, kind of avoiding them. And he does that a couple times later, too. But yeah, in this scene, it's unclear why it's just empty. Like, <laughs> it makes it seem like they just rented it out for themselves. And so they have the two of them and this one just terrible waiter who doesn't want to even be bothered to talk to them and then is aggressively rude taking their order. Nothing is worse than being made to feel like you don't know what you're doing when you're trying to order food at a restaurant. Like, oh, I, ha- I hated that. <laughs> It just, it reminded me of the Parks and Rec where Tom opens his bistro and April's supposed to read the menu to everyone. Sure. She's just like, weenie, chicken, weenie, and everyone's like, what? That was the waiter. Yeah. I I don't like people 
making other people feel dumb. Like, that's just a terrible thing to have to watch. And then I think, like, I just have a fear, too, of being in that position, of being mm. like, I don't know what this is. Is this the right thing to order? Like, and then you're too, you know. And so then finally you think, I'll just ask. And then he's so terrible when she even <laughs> asks for, like, recommendations or advice. Ugh. Yeah. Brutal. I like how Ollie's just like, I'll, just, I'll have what she's having. Right, exactly. I'll eat what you eat. Just let's get through just this. <laughs> yeah. Which they which they order caviar, which according to Emmy is uh, what's the word for a uh, food that turns you on? Oh, oh aphrodisiac. aphrodisiac. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that meal also, it was an Italian restaurant, right? Like outside, mm. it said like yeah. Osteria. And they got cream soup, caviar, and Chateaubriand. Right. Then they go in and order a bunch of French food at this Italian restaurant <laughs> in Germany. So I had a lot of questions about the restaurant. I, I'm, uh, yeah, that, that's very confusing. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it bugged me. But the meal did sound good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although, yeah. have you have you guys ever eaten caviar? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Do you guys yeah. do you guys like? Well, oh, okay. it's pretty good. Yeah, mm. it's fine. Not a lot, obviously, because you know this much caviar is super expensive. Ah. So yeah. Yeah. I like uh, I like salty foods. So me too. That's the thing. It's just they're it's just really salty. It's so. extremely salty. So if you're on board for that, then what's not to like? Mm-hmm. And especially not only um, is he like rude and um, questioning about like their food choices, mm-hmm. but when he asks like, "How do you want the Chateaubriand cooked?" Oh, and she's like, "On a grill, right?" Right. I, I know like... she didn't know exactly. She's like, "Just cook it." Like. <laughs> And then, uh, she, and then, like, she didn't know the, the difference waiter? between rare and medium. Yeah. Right. And uh, that made me so uncomfortable. I hated watching everything that happened in that restaurant. <laughs> well, if that made you uncomfortable, then how about we go and meet Emmy's family? The with rest of the Ollie. family. Oh, my gosh. And in Ebert's book, and again, because I haven't seen um, the movies it was inspired by, but supposedly uh-huh. this is almost a direct scene. Um, from uh, all, the, all that heaven allows. All that heaven allows. Yeah, yeah I read yeah. that the, the TV like being kicked in as a direct reference or a replication of something in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I'll touch on some of the like kind of key differences between the two, but this is one. Of, this is another one of those scenes where she um, has all her kids like sitting in a row. Mm-hmm. Like, just why would they be sitting that way? Right, I it it looked really cool how it was shot, but the, it was the tracking very shot. stagey. It was very, you know, it comes yeah. around and they're all sitting there. Yeah, the, the tracking shot. It's like a pan of all their reactions. Is she's like, oh, I got married. Here's my husband, and she brings in like this this tall Arab man with a very very long name, and it right. just like, and he comes in so like awkwardly. And yeah. He's just like hi. Yeah, like, I had a lot of questions. Why would you set it up this way? Why were they all sitting in the house? Why does she bring him in dramatically? Like, <laughs> she's like, and behind door number one, right? Is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like there's you probably could have eased everybody into. And happening. I love how how she introduces him. He says, she says, uh, "This is El Hadi bin Saman Mubarak Muhammad Mustafa. I call him Ali." Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That, and that's sort of where it jumped out to me, too, the icon Molly. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're still doing that. Okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so what bothers me about this scene, though, is after that, I think the introduction is, like, kind of funny. And then I like the pan shot. But the reactions of the kids, it's exactly what you think it would be. Right. And that's that's kind of what I 
don't like about the scene um is it's just so expected and they're very like vitriolic and cruel but you already mm-hmm. know that they were going to do that like we've already met two of the kids and we know that they're going to mm-hmm. be shitty right one one thing i was kind of hoping for is um i i like how i mean this movie has to deal with a lot of racism but what it usually does well is there's different kind of like racisms that come out mm-hmm. like some right. is very deep-seated like the husband of the daughter mm-hmm. and he's like he's very cruel about it other ones are just kind of more like disgusted by it like the um the other women like that the work neighbors with. and the yeah. Co-workers, yeah and then other people are just kind of blind to it like emmy and the landlord mm-hmm. and in this big scene i wish it was like maybe the daughter was more understanding mm-hmm. but disappointed and right. like one of them would kick in the tv which it seemed like it should have been the husband of the daughter yeah yeah given him but like i wish there was like this different reactions that we would have had instead of all just like mm-hmm. middle very, finger you it's very flat yeah it's very much like just everyone's reacting the same way there's not much of a range yeah there. and Eber greatly praises in his um essay about it like oh it cuts out all the melodrama it's all the quiet and like a man kicked the tv in right <laughs> yeah and a son called his mother a whore <laughs> and yeah. said you know like they just really this scene in particular they're just cruel for cruel sake almost it's this is it's he, he says it doesn't play like a soap opera that played plays like exactly a soap opera, yeah. soap opera um, which is fine i think against soap operas but like it's totally exactly. it's very strange yeah um you know, and I think, like you were saying, it would be different if there was this air of concern, maybe, you know, where if maybe one of the children did, were like, you know, what does he want from you? Or, mm-hmm. you know, sort of if there was, yeah, if there was a concern there and they still could have been expressing some sort of racism or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, but it have been these like different right, kinds of they, views of racism. But the turn, like, they just turn on her so entirely and then like, yeah, call her all these horrible things and the you know daughter calls the mom's house a pigsty which like it's fine i don't know i know <laughs> the, mom, the mom's a cleaning lady give her a break like yeah. and there's another person later in the movie that says like you need to do more shifts because your husband's tracking in more dirt oh my god it's yeah. like he looks great right i know he exactly. looks very clean he looks as he obviously as showers because of that one scene where oh God. well and then they have that conversation <laughs> later where they ask if he showers and yeah. she's like he showers every oh I, uh, yeah that's things get real bad around then um, yeah but I think that's like one of the scenes where the exploration of racism in Germany becomes right. more one dimensional and flat than it does right. in other parts of the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. Um, so to contrast that scene with um, the way kind of the similar interaction goes uh, to All That Heaven Allows. In that movie, the mom... Um, I'm giving away some of, some of that movie, but it's fine. Uh, I mean, you've seen this movie. It's very similar. Yeah. So the mom is played by Jane Wyman, who... Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be a really fun fact about her that's not true anymore. Uh, no. she, she used to be the only uh, ex-spouse of a United States president. She used to be married to Reagan. Way back in the day. Really? Yes, she was Reagan's first wife. That um, yeah, that number has uh, been tripled in the last few years. Yeah, well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so so Jane Wyman is um, a widowed housewife. She has two kids who are like college age, and she is like sort of 
talking with or friendly to uh, like one of her, I think it was one of her husband's old friends who's like around her age or, or even older. But then she starts, um, she like stumbles into a relationship with her who's supposed to be much younger. I think in real life he was maybe seven or eight years younger, uh, Gardner. Um, mm-hmm. So he's like blue collar, younger guy, um, played by Rock Hudson. So once they, I think it's after they uh, decide that they're going to get married, she sits the kids down and she's telling them, oh, I have some news. And they go, oh, are you getting married? And she's like, yeah, actually I am. And they go, oh, that's great. Because they think it's the old, the older guy. Mm, yeah. And it's not until she tells them that it's this young guy, like this gardener, mm-hmm. that's when the kids flip out. And I like the way that plays out more. Right. Um, the TV thing is uh, in All That Heaven Allows, there's like a repeated thing where she is lonely the same way Emmy is. Mm-hmm. And the kid's solution to that is not, you know, find be with this person that you love. The kid's solution is, well, it's the, fif- it's the 50s. We're going to get you a TV. Right. Um, so I, I, I'm sure that the kicking in the TV has to be a, an allusion to the TV and all that heaven allows. Because mm-hmm. there's a great moment later in the movie where they actually get her the TV. And it's, mm-hmm. you would never think that getting someone a TV would seem so upsetting. But yeah. it, it really, really is. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, yeah, when it's a uh, replacement for, I'm not going to come spend time with you, spend time with these friends in the television set instead. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how cool. it plays. It's rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas in, in this one, because there's no, like, that doesn't exist in this story, it, it kind of just feels like, yeah, destruction for destruction's sake. Like, mm-hmm. he could have thrown a glass or something, um, but he kicked the TV in. Yeah, and these kids don't even care about, like, the mother's right. happiness. That's, I think that's what bothered me about their yeah. relationship in this scene is, and it makes more sense, like you describe in All That Heaven Allows, where they were happy for her that she was going to have companionship um, until just they the, find out what's yeah, going on. Yeah, just the wrong yeah. companionship. But here, you just don't get a sense that, like, they care about her at all. <laughs> and so it's strange to go from we don't care about you at all, but now we just aggressively hate you because of this choice you've made. Um, yeah, they're just bad people. Like, there's not, you don't really see anything from their point of view. And then even, you know, getting towards the third act of the movie, but even then later, when they start to come back into her lives, like, I was fooled for a half of a second. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, her kids feel bad. And then I realized that's like, oh, no, that's that's not what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sad all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next... Uh moment we have after this is at the grocery store Mm -hmm. which is this this was a very upsetting part for Mm -hmm. me which is he the grocery store owner is being like super shitty to ollie Mm -hmm. and like he obviously knows what ollie and emmy need from him Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't care and then when emmy comes down and orders the exact same thing He's like, oh, hello. Right. I have it. And I'm glad that, like, Emmy stands up mm-hmm. against him. Um, but, yeah, that that's a scene. What would you guys think of that scene? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good, you know, it's a good example of how this is impacting 
their lives and her life in particular. Mm-hmm. It yeah. does. This is where we're starting to get into the repetitiveness of every interaction she has. It's just with another racist person being racist in a different way. <laughs> and yeah. so it starts to great. But um, I think it it works in that you just feel the sort of like the building and the weight of it on her, especially because you need to see like how upset it upsetting it is and how upset she is in order to you know not if not understand at least kind of like be able to appreciate the decisions she makes going forward um Mm -hmm. but yeah i thought the grocery store guy was interesting um it's just another yeah it's just a different way of showing the same prejudices basically yeah i kind of agree i think the scene goes on for too long given that yeah. it doesn't really accomplish too much new yeah. like when emmy comes down to defend him sure that's new but the two of their mm-hmm. interaction and then at first you can almost give them credit for it being a language barrier but then right. later he overtly says to uh the woman in the store um mm-hmm. that he did understand him it's like we don't, right. we, we don't need that we already know like right <laughs> exactly you don't have to spell mm-hmm. that for us yeah, yeah. I think it's this middle part of the movie where it works the worst mm-hmm. on the whole for me. Um, if there was any part of this movie that actually felt like the quote-unquote cinematic exercise, it was like this kind of stuff. It almost feels like him doing arpeggios of just like right. how people interact with each other and right. not adding as much to the story as he really could have been or tightening things up which it's already a very right. tight it's, movie so it must be right around this time um where we see the another interaction or like the sort of one of the last interactions until the end of her with her co-workers when they're just like pretending like she doesn't exist you oh, know yeah, and they when, go down the stairs yeah the- when they're sitting on the stairs and they're having this whole conversation and she's trying to chime in and they just ignore her, and she asks them to like hand her a knife and they just ignore her <laughs> and like she'll get up and grab it and then they just like move away from her um yeah so it, it's reminded me of that if we see just different interactions that are telling us the same thing um but just showing us how you know this is impacting every facet of her life her family her work her errands she's running um yeah it's a little exhausting in this sequence um one thing that does kind of break this uh monotonous sequence though is um ali decides to have some of his friends over yes um and the neighbors call the police Mm -hmm. because they're playing moroccan music too loudly which they weren't even playing it that loudly um and the police officers go up there and i remember the first time watching this i was like oh I know. no bracing yourself and, for whatever this confrontation's going to be yeah and then the police officers is like it's fine just turn it down I a love, little and i love the go. chill hippie cops like yeah. that's one of the weird the weird <laughs> only surprising things about this movie is these like totally chill cops who the neighbors don't like and don't trust because cops have long, long hair, hair now <laughs> they're like times are changing right exactly <laughs> cops have long hair from hitler maybe Exa- right exactly it's like oh yeah they don't have uh, that old haircut well, um, that woman is saying, like, racist things about the Arab men, and the cops like, mm-hmm. let's not exaggerate. Like, calm down. Exactly. Calm like, down. the cops are the only, like, it's very weird. Like, this is something that I was saying how realistic a lot of this felt with, like, modern race relations. This was the least familiar part <laughs> yeah. relating to modern the race The landlord and the policeman yes, exa- are the two right? most understanding people <laughs> exactly. in the movie. Which from 2020 is really wild. Uh, but yeah, because the cops, like you were saying, when, even when the neighbors are complaining, the cops really are just like, 
you guys need to calm down. Like this, I mean, fine. If you want us to go up there, we'll go up there. But no, we're not arresting anybody. Like this is not a big deal. Like chill out. And then they go up there and they're just like, sorry, the neighbors, we have to come up here. It's okay. And then they just move on. Um. So after that whole part happens, um, there's the scene in which back, uh, Jana has the background oh, on yeah. her Zoom call right now. Oh. They, I can't yeah. tell. Is this like a patio restaurant or is this just like a park? So, well, it was funny. We we were watching last night and Matt made the comment. He's like, is this the same place where they have breakfast in that one scene eight and eight and a half? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it looks uh, very maybe. similar. Also a completely empty patio <laughs> restaurant like this. Why did they um, only go to restaurants that nobody is at? Like, <laughs> Right. And this is one of the sequences that you were commenting on earlier where, well, there they are. Um, where they're sitting all alone in this big patio. And at least this time, the camera does that whip around, and there's a group of, like, all of the wait staff, maybe even some of the chefs. I don't even, yeah, seeing their arms crossed, just glaring at them. Um, you know, and it's very dramatic, but it sort of stops to, or starts, starts, uh, continues breaking the reality of it a little bit for me, just because, yeah, there's zero other people in literally the only restaurants we see them go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I suppose it's possible that none of these places have ever had to deal with a non-white person before in any capacity, but you'd think maybe the racism would be a little bit more just in how they interacted with them, not in that we're just going to stand 50 yards away and just glare at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, um, don't the chefs have things to do? Like Right, exactly. <laughs> No, because well, no one's there. Right? Yeah, guess, exactly. Yeah, no, guess, they don't. There's right. no one there. True. And it's it's beautiful. Like I love the colors in this scene. Yeah. Um, oh, I like yeah. how it's framed and how it's shot. Um, but yeah, it's strange and sad. This whole scene. Mm-hmm. And where where are they in this scene? Did they go somewhere? Or is this just like a nice little outdoor cafe? Did they say just all of a sudden they're in this big like space? That didn't yeah, look anywhere else in the movie. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I feel know. like because they were shooting this film so quickly, if Fassbender just like rented spaces and then right. didn't have time to add extras in. Right. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> they were just like, oh, this restaurant's closed on Sunday. We can film there. Great. Let's just do that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I love the scene when um, Emmy starts crying and she says that, yeah. she, that she's happy but sad. Right, and that's something that I think every time she cries, it's it's sort of like it's a mix of emotions. Like in the mm-hmm. scene, she's crying in the fear eats the soul scene, uh, okay. like when he mm-hmm. when he says that, and mm-hmm. she says um, she's crying because she's happy that they're together, but she's also afraid. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the movie too, she's like, it's kind of a bittersweet cry mm-hmm. that she has so i think that's right. interesting that every time she shows that much emotion it's not just for one reason it's a, like there's a multitude of different things and mix of emotions mm-hmm. going on so i i love that about the writing of this movie yeah, yeah. it's it's sweet ish mm-hmm. yes. i said <laughs> sweet ish yes <laughs> it is um, yeah th- this is this is another one of my favorite scenes in the movie um something i just like in stories or movies is just when people express gratitude or love for each other in a very simplistic and kind way and i just love when he goes like do you know how much i love you and he goes like this much I he like know. has his hands out and it's she so says sweet. i love you from here to morocco and it's yeah. like oh, this is this is the movie i like mm-hmm. 
Well, it's the happiness. And then yeah. they go on vacation and it turns to shit. Right. <laughs> it's just like everything. It's, it's all downhill from here, really. Mm, yeah, mostly. Um, actually, so you guys were saying the first act was your favorite part. Mm-hmm. I think the third act was my favorite part. Um, and we'll, we'll get into a bit of this. But I like how it, in the in the we have a bunch of setup on people being like totally shitty and mm-hmm. racist um and then i like how it comes back and then as soon as they like need something oh they'll they'll be nice as right. they they'll be to- and like that feels super mm-hmm. real it, like i've seen that happen before with right. people i've known mm-hmm. or people that i've like that i've known i've seen people mm-hmm. have that change to them right in that sort of way. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's when you know, like, you just can't trust that kind of person anymore. Right. right. And, and, you know. So like I was saying, I totally fell for it, too. Like, with the son, especially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when the son comes back and he's there to see her. And she's so Emmy ha- totally falls she's for She's so it. happy. And then he's like, did you get the check? I just felt so bad about the TV that, you know, I sent this check to, to replace it. And I'm like... Wow, he really had a change of heart. I can't believe it. And then, oh yeah, so we just need someone to watch our kid in the afternoons, like. And then you know, immediately yeah. you see what's happening, um, and it's true across the board. It's with every you know, every interaction she has from there on out. Um, yep. What is it that the daughter like- wants? I can't remember. The daughter needs something from her too that makes her apologize, uh... and I can't remember what it is, but. There's something, because he was like, oh, yeah, she feels bad, too, and she's going to, you know. And then, uh-huh. yeah, I can't remember what it is, but every basically everyone who comes back in her life, it's because they need... Yeah, I feel like we can run through her. these pretty quickly, yeah. but, like, the the um, other women in the mm-hmm. um, apartment building, I think yep. it is. Yep, they, they need her storage unit. <laughs> yeah, and they need all to move, move everything. And they all need to move the stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, um, like, the grocery store owner who's starting to go out of business right. because of the major now he'll be perfectly now he needs nice his shopper and his his um the woman at the grocery store who's probably his wife or whatever who's just like you need to get over this like why are you being so terrible like you know yeah and so he just and i feel like this is almost where like blindside movies would end which is just like hey people are now nice racism right. fixed right. and it's completely not that's, and i'm glad that the movie realized it that's exactly where green book ends <laughs> it is exactly where green yes book ends. exactly oh my gosh that's 100 let's, let's go over for dinner right yeah. exactly. we totally still we solved see... racism yeah yeah wow the thing this movie does that is so good although which is what makes it so sad and hard to watch is that emmy buys into it mm-hmm. you know she's mm-hmm. so happy to have the social acceptance back that she just leans into whatever that's going to take, which basically means turning on Ali, even though she didn't yeah. necessarily see it that way, but playing into the stereotypes, the whole thing with the showing off the muscles and saying, oh, no, he is Oh, clean. that scene creeps me yeah, out. Yeah, that scene's terrible. I mean, not, it's perfectly fine scene, but it's terrible to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, just that whole, she like, describes him as having like a foreigner mentality and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and, and, um, the line where, uh, it's the uh, one of the women that needs a thing moved. She tells Ali, if you be nice to her, she'll be nice to us. Right. And it's like, we don't need, like, mm-hmm. an exchange of friendship with racists to make it, them 
exactly. to make the situation better. That's not what's going to actually make the situation better. Right. And that is a perfect example of what makes this different than your blind sides and your green books, mm-hmm. which do basically Ugh. say, well, if you were just all, if you could just meet in the middle and really all come around, like if you understood them, they'd understand you. Um, and, <laughs> and the best thing yeah. is even Peter Farrelly like said that in his right. acceptance oh, yeah. speech for green book last year. No, people really feel that way. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know, but it's, it's yeah, just if, if, so yeah. not going to help. Yeah. For this to be like an in Academy the, movie, it, it ends with Ali like carrying the kids' stuff to the storage space. And then mm-hmm. that person like sees them and they like, here, let me help you with that box. And, right. Ex- and they're exactly. like, they shake the hands. Yeah. Right. Her family's on. She's like, the family's coming over for dinner tonight. And, you know, everyone yeah. hugs. There's and... the composer in the background like, <laughs> cueing <laughs> in the string. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh this like these sequence of events where everyone is starting to use Emmy and she doesn't really notice mm-hmm. it or like maybe she even does notice it but she just doesn't care because people because... are being nice to her for for a right. change. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit uh, it's another one of those things where like e- everyone's doing the same thing and kind of right. acting the same way in a way that's kind of monotonous that bothers me but at the Th- same this time it goes really quickly though. at yeah. least it does go quickly and, and like you were saying jenna it's mm-hmm. it is necessary because it is what spot it's what spurs like emmy's changing and how she interacts mm-hmm. with ollie right and their big conflict yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's not just like the i'll be nice to you but do you remember hitler yeah <laughs> right kind of exactly yeah mentality yeah. Um, and now that like the German people are being nice to her, he wants mm-hmm. couscous, and she's like, "No, Germans don't do that." Right. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. I know that scene was so sad. She's like, "Yeah, Germans don't eat that." And it's like, oh. they should. It's delicious. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so then you know, he at least makes it understandable when he then goes back to you know his life before mm-hmm. you know back to the bar, back mm-hmm. to the bartender who will make him couscous and. I and I, I, I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't think he's happy about going back to no. the bartender. He just knows that's the easiest way he's gonna get couscous. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's. I think it's supposed to be a sort of parallel to, you know, they're kind of. It was too hard for them to be together, so they're sort of going back to their their worlds. You know, mm-hmm. she's just going back to what's comfortable mm-hmm. for her, which is being with racist white people. And then he's going back to his, you know, previous life, which was, yeah, hanging out with his, you know, working class friends at the bar and with this, you know, bartender who they had some pre-existing prior relationship and she'll make couscous for him and she's pretty laid back. And yeah, it's just sort of they're both path of least resistance is to go back to what's easy. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, that kind of leads to a split up between Emmy and Ollie. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is the split up after the muscle scene, like where where yeah, she's he's showing off the muscles? I think so. So she he goes to the bartender he, he twice, back. right? He goes and comes yeah. back, and then I think the muscle scene happens, and then he's like, "I am he, out of here." Yeah, right. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, yeah. And then he goes because uh, he goes back he, to the bar, right? Yeah, and he's he's like gambling away all of the money he has mm-hmm. first uh she confronts him at work after he spends the night with oh that's right that's, oh, that's right yeah yeah, yeah. i was saying that's right i'm sorry i don't have a note about it that he I doesn't forgot. well th- this is where i was sort of having trouble of like how much time has gone by he left he came back he left again um but yeah the last time the last time he leaves is when he doesn't come home for mm-hmm. he spent the night and she like 
calls the cops. You know, she goes out. She thinks something's happened to him. And so they track him down at his place of work. And speaking of just horrifying, hard-to-watch scenes, like, oh, God. And he, like, basically just acts like he doesn't even know her at all. They have no relationship. And then his coworkers are all mean to her. And then she, she kind of gets the, you know flip side of this experience of being the outsider everyone's making fun of yeah he he, he like stares at her when they start uh-huh. saying oh is this your grandma from morocco mm-hmm. and for a second i like you you feel like he's gonna stand up for her and then he doesn't he just looks at her and it's the look right. of like see, you see right yeah that's <laughs> like, how this feels yeah, yeah like it feels like shit doesn't it right yeah yeah and so that's when they have their real break up right. until mm-hmm. we see him then back at he's bar. in the bar and he's he's literally gambling away all his money mm-hmm. um and he doesn't even seem to care that he's losing no. he tells his friend like just go get more money i'll throw that away too right and then he goes in the bathroom and just starts like slapping himself really hard that scene goes on like at least twice as long as i thought it was going to i was like he is just still <laughs> slapping himself in this mirror yeah, that scene is pretty sensitive. Yeah, that's to it's tough. It's it's I think it's purposefully tough to watch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he really makes you sit with what Ali is going through. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance in Ali that he really cares about Emmy, but like he cannot be treated that way. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. it's just a tough situation. Yeah. Um, but then Emmy shows up. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of this whole? They're like certain- confrontation confrontation reunion i mean it's good i think that she she seems to come back to make the gesture you know at least admit that you know they've all made some mistakes Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is maybe not exactly the right you know perspective on it but at least she is trying to acknowledge that you know we gotta we gotta be more understanding of each other and try to work this out i love Mm -hmm. the line where she says it's something along the the lines of when we're together, we need to be nice to each other. Yeah, that's, that's basically what she says. Yeah, it's so sweet, um, right? And it's so simple, but it's really true. There's a lot of people who you know look at her daughter and son-in-law who yeah. are not who are together and not nice to each other. Yeah, yeah. This is the scene that I think makes the movie for me. Um, I like how they both come to an understanding that. They are very different people mm-hmm. in age and past experiences. But the important thing to get along is to be both understanding about the other side right. and to be kind to the other in that yeah. situation. And they and, dance again and it's nice. And he, yeah. and and the, he, and he confesses to being unfaithful to her and she's like, mm-hmm. it's fine. I don't care if right, you need if you need another woman like I'm. Which that's such a sad line, but but then his it rep- shows how- his reply to it is like, I don't even want another woman. Like all right. I want is you, and that's I just so want nice. Couscous, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah, he was just looking you for and comfort. Couscous. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, what do you guys mm-hmm. think about the movie if it ends there, as opposed to four minutes later? That's a good question. I well, I actually think it's better. With the extra four minutes, which if you're asking this question, I'm assuming you're going to say no. I'm not sure. I I like the metaphor that it's making. So, I mean, we can we can say what happens. But you can you can explain to us what happens next from a uh, medical. Sure, sure. So (laughs) it came from stress, Nick. So they're they're dancing. He collapses. They rush him to the hospital. 
and the doctors tell Emmy um, he had a perforated stomach ulcer. Ouch. Which is not good. You, it's not what you want. <laughs> the 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 like the screaming groaning noises he makes when he collapses too. Yeah. Oh, just, it's horrible. Oh my god! You can just uh, it really conveys how much pain he must be in. This is apparently per the doctor something that a lot of the foreign workers have because of stress. Um, and he says, you know, like we'll do everything we can, and um, it, it'll happen again because he's still going to have stress. Right. Um, and she says, you know, she's going to do everything in her power. Yeah. Um, which feels sweet, but it's not going to work. Right. Like nothing that she can do can undo the societal harms that he's he's suffering. Mm-hmm. So I think metaphorically that's fine. It just comes up out of nowhere, though. Yeah, I think I, I had I had seen before I watched it. I just I had figured out from context that there was there would be some sort of medical issue or something. So I kind of assumed that like throughout, you know, you, know, you watch like a bad movie and someone's coughing throughout the movie and you just know <laughs> they, later on they're going <laughs> to If anyone collapse. gets a, if you it, get a bloody nose, like you right, are not it, making it to exactly. the next Exactly. And so I guess What is it with movies and bloody noses? Um, like any character gets a bloody nose is dead yeah. by Yeah. So I, it probably is to the movie's credit that it doesn't do anything like that. But at the same time, then when he does collapse at the end, literally out of nowhere, um, it does feel a little sudden and a little, you know, talking about not subtle. It's like, in case you didn't get it, mm-hmm. racism is hard and bad for people. Like, it's not only like ruining his spirit, it's also ruining his body. Um, and it, I think it works, but I, I don't know if I think it's necessary. I think I might have liked it if it had ended with them dancing at the bar because I I think I still would have thought, you know, this may or may not work out. They're going to they're going to keep right. trying, but you know, I don't think that that would have been some unrealistic happy ending. You still would have you still would have understood that they're living in the world just without this extremely literal like it's killing him kind of thing. Yeah, and that's kind of where mm-hmm. I land. Like, it's it's an interesting metaphor um, mm-hmm. where, especially as the doctor said, it's something that seems to be plaguing the foreign workers. Yeah. Um, where they kind of have this thing that's always going to be crushing them. Right. Uh, but we, we've seen the movie for <laughs> an hour and a half before yeah. that. Like, we, we know it's not going to be great for them no matter what. Is there something like that in All That Heaven Allows? Like, is there, does, is there some issue like that do you remember uh it's not a there there's um a medical or or there's a he has an accident oh, it's just I'm kind of a spoiler he has an accident yeah. at some point okay. uh, it, the the metaphor is not really quite the same and it, that's something else in all that heaven allows that i don't think plays very well because uh, it's another one of those like not deus ex machina but the same type of thing where he has an accident it's out of nowhere it doesn't really seem to to have any like direct mm-hmm. relation to the the arc of the story it's just this right. this is what they need to like push people back Move together the plot forward yeah yeah to keep the melodrama going because that, yeah. that was my only guess when it happened i was like oh well maybe that's because it happens in the other movie that this is based on and so that's why it's happening now no and i mean this like the ulcer metaphor fits well with the title of the movie Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. True. Um, I I I just like that it. I get. I can see where you're saying it goes into like it. It maybe leans into it too much, mm-hmm. but I think if it left off at just sort of like 
and in certain happy point we wouldn't have had a full consequence of all the shit that we saw before like i feel like we needed at least the consequence yeah of it yeah i don't hate i don't hate the scene it's yeah no i don't either but it certainly gives a different tone to the ending but it's another one of those bittersweet she cries and it's like She's happy that she's with him, but... But sad that this is happening. Yeah. Right. And it puts a sort of interesting button on it to sort of have this final information conveyed by this, you know, new doctor character who basically says what's happening, that, you know, the stress is, you know, killing his body and, you know, that this happens to all these migrant workers, you know, so you sort of have this overarching theme that comes in. Not comes in, like it's there throughout, but it, it to me, it just feels, like I said, a little bit like tying a bow on it or putting a button on mm-hmm. it. Um, and not, I don't think it makes the movie any worse. Like I hadn't thought until now about, Oh, how would I feel if that scene just didn't happen? Um, like I, it didn't feel that tacked on, but I, I could live without it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Nick, you have an interesting, uh, uh, perspective here I'm, on the ulcer. Scene. I'm so excited to talk about this. So, uh, <laughs> to talk about what really matters when it comes to this movie and yeah. why you're going to give it zero stars. Yes. Uh, is there, can you give negative stars? Can I take stars from this movie? <laughs> I think you should. Uh, so ulcers and, and all, like, I don't care about the, the real realism of this is like the causes of ulcers, uh, brings up an interesting story. So, uh, like actual like mental stress does not actually cause ulcers, but um, one of the main causes of ulcers is uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory use. So, like, say he, you know, he's a blue-collar worker, and say he's stressed out and he gets headaches and muscle aches a lot. Um, maybe he's taking Advil Takes a bunch multiple of Advil, times. Yeah. yeah, he's taking Advil multiple times every day, and that's what causes his stomach ulcer. So that's like mm-hmm. that's fine. And even if that wasn't the case. I don't care. Like that, it's not something that bothers me in movies. I'm. You're not gonna I, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm. It? I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> uh, God. But um, so this movie was made in the '70s, mm-hmm. um, and in the next decade, another like the two main causes of ulcers really are um, those medications and uh, bacterial infections. There's a uh, bacteria called uh, Helicobacter pylori, which was discovered by two Australian scientists in like the 80s. And um, they actually won in 2005 a Nobel for having discovered this. So they theorized that this was uh, like A or one of the main causes for ulcers. And they tried to do... um, experiments to prove it so they were using um pigs in a lab and they kept trying to get pigs to get ulcers by infecting them with uh, this bacteria h pylori and it wouldn't work so one of the two um scientists did what you would do which is (laughs) he took a culture of h pylori and he drank it (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Hey, you gotta commit to your science. And he, he apparently thought it'd be like one of those things where you know a year or two I'll I'll get I'll get an endoscopy and see if I've developed ulcers. Uh, He started to get sick three days later. Oh God. Well. And by uh, eight days after having done this, they repeated the endoscopy and his stomach was like completely inflamed. Oh my God. Oh God. So. If you want to win a Nobel, 
All you have to do is poison yourself <laughs> right? with the thing that you've been theorizing is causing it's this <laughs> this disease that can perforate your stomach and kill you. Right. You don't believe this bacteria causes ulcers? I will show you <laughs> by giving myself the worst case you've ever seen. I, I had an endoscopy a few months ago. Does that mean I get like half a Nobel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Just for, yes. Just for the trouble. Um, but it is that is interesting because, you know, I, to this day, people sort of still use that as an expression or a figure of speech, right? Like if mm-hmm. something's stressing you out, that it's like going to give you ulcers. Um, so I thought that was... I did learn something watching this movie. Thank so you, you Nick. Go. Yeah, appreciate it. But don't ruin the movie, please. <laughs> it's just uh, Nick's medical corner. Yeah, good. We got to bring that in, too, when appropriate. <laughs> That's great, Nick. We'll have Jana's Law Corner. Right. God, no one wants that. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about 12 Angry Men? I love 12 Angry Men. Uh, it, I'm that's sad. in the book, right? It's, it's got to be in the next in one, maybe? Oh. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I've seen seen Twelve Angry Men. I saw the TV movie version of Twelve Angry Men. Um, I'm very partial to the. Uh, have you guys seen the Amy Schumer parody yes. of Twelve Angry Men? It's, that's one of my favorite oh, things so that on TV. That it's sounds so awesome. Funny. It's so funny. It's great. Um, have you guys seen the Russian version of Twelve Angry Men called Twelve? No. No. Sounds good. It was. It was very interesting. Nice. All right, I'm getting my Ebert book out so I can tell you my Ebert quote. Oh, yes. Ebert quote corner. Ebert oh, quote I corner. Do ha- I do have to say that uh, Jana's Law Corner was great after having watched Molly's Game. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Molly's Game, Diversion. What did you did you like it, Nick? Molly's Game? I liked uh, Jessica Chastain in it a lot. I think she's yeah, one I think of she's the best. Good. I think she's one of the best uh, working actors right now. And yeah. Like like we said, I love Michael Sarah. I thought he was a hoot in that movie. He is so good. I they both were were like on my you know meaningless ballot that year. Mm-hmm. Her for actress and him for supporting. <laughs> yeah. Um God, just so some good. of the Sorkinisms, like every like in almost all of his things, everyone is so like noble and earnest, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of like reading off people's resumes in that one, which yeah. is a real Sorkin thing. Speechifying. Um, a lot of yeah. A lot of speechifying that, uh, well, you guys I, are just sorry. making me sad. Molly's game, it's, watch it. I'm, I'm not going to have a debate for Molly's game. It's fun. You should watch it again. You'll like it better. Uh, <laughs> I give it, I give it, th- so can move. I give it three out of five stars on Letterboxd. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't but, hate it. I didn't dislike it. I'm glad I watched it. What would you give it in Eber's four star rating? Two and a half. Okay, cool. <laughs> just curious. Four stars is so hard. All right, Dylan, did you have an Ebert quote? I did have an Ebert quote. Well, the first one I have is um, one of the first things he writes about is how the barmaid is an insolent blonde in a low-cut dress. Mm. And I'm like, I did. did an Ebert review where he comments on like Thanks, how sexualized women's clothing this is. It's not her tight sweater. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He calls her buxom mm. later. I had that <laughs> mark. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool. Come on, Ebert. Um... Yeah, what are some of my quotes? I, d- I didn't mark this one up as well as my old one. Uh, I didn't mark this ones. one up as much either. I've I didn't got... either. I don't. I don't know why that is. Yeah, the very final. Well, I... The very final sentence for me. I mean, the I think final is... sentence yeah. is, I think, the whole thing here. I agree. Again, my biggest circle, and I've already talked about this, is um, uh, Fassbender leaves out the highs and lows and keeps only the quiet desperation in the middle, yeah. mm-hmm. which I think is an actually really good um, description of the movie. 
that's right. only broken when the movie breaks that tone itself. Right. Yeah. And that With the that last sentence is basically repeating the same point, mm-hmm. um, but just saying that, you know, the reason that the movie gathers so much power, I think, is that Fassbender knew exactly what was meant by the title and made the film so quickly he only had time to tell the truth, um, which is a very nice way of putting it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was that the same quote you were going to pick out, Nick? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the very final. That's how he mm-hmm. wraps up. And I, I think that's a, a great summation of, of the yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Well, something I wanted to talk about with the movie, which Ebert's uh, second to last paragraph talked about, yeah. which is the I, relationship I of... I did too. And I was like, there's. Mm-hmm. I did not want to like bring it up during the movie because I like just like pulled up Wikipedia right when the movie was starting and did some scrolling and went... Oh, oh shit! No. Oh no! Like literally, it it probably impacted a little bit of the movie for me because I was like, I wish I had waited uh, until after. Yeah. But yeah, Joe, yeah. why don't you break the bad news about some of the behind the scenes stuff for this movie? Well, good news ish was the director and the lead actor were in love mm-hmm. for quite a long time, and they're they had partners. a. They were in a relationship for quite a while. They were living together. Uh, the bad news is is their relationship wasn't super great a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, Wikipedia describes it as turbulent. T- <laughs> 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 Which is a start. Yeah. Um, both fast. It sounds like both Fassbender and um, Ben Salem were both very alcoholic, mm-hmm. abusing yeah, substance people. issues, yeah. Um, both, and I've read this about Fassbender a lot, is uh, were very hot-tempered mm-hmm. and could be, like, uh, like violent. violent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, violent, yeah. I don't know how I lost that word. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had a violent um, temperament, and um, that not led to the greatest of relationships. Mm-hmm. It would be a start of a way to say it. Um and at one point, somehow, the person that is notoriously called, like, one of the cruelest directors of all time was the one to actually kick the actor out uh-huh. first, which makes me kind of shocked at maybe how uh, violent Ben Salem was. Right. Um, at which point, um, Ben Salem kind of went off the deep end that he was already the deep end off of. Mm-hmm. And he stabbed three people in a Berlin bar, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to be arrested. Um, but before that, he told Fassbender he had nothing more to worry about and got smuggled out of the country. At which point he was then found and taken to jail and hung himself. Yeah. Um, and this was a very long-winded um, um, paragraph of the Wikipedia article, mm-hmm. and then I saw Vince Salem died in 1977, mm-hmm. and just like Ollie Fury's the Soul, I was like, "Oh my God, the timeline here!" Right. This movie got released, and three years later, that dead. happened. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, yeah. according to Wikipedia, there's like another part to this that's not worse, but it's also terrible. Um, mm-hmm. All the all the people he stabbed. This is not the bad part. All the people he stabbed did survive, uh, right. fortunately. Right. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Af- after um, he killed himself in jail, Fassbender didn't find out about it for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Ugh. And dedicated ended up dedicating his last film to 
Ben Salem because he had just yeah. learned that he died. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's it's just about as dark of an ending for a person as you could imagine. And I, yeah. I thought I'd read... I read some review, just it's probably on Letterboxd or somewhere, where someone said they thought his performance was underwhelming. I actually thought his performance was very good. I thought he oh, was, was very captivating um, screen presence. And, you know, then you sort of start to wonder about some of the anger behind the eyes and things like that, um, you know, under this performance. But he, you know, really just... I In the movie, it's incredible. In, exactly. Really yeah. In the movie, it's incredible. Um to watch and so yeah to think that yeah just three years later that was that was his end is oh dark stuff it's crushing yeah um also i can't remember the actress's name um but the person that plays uh emmy's daughter Mm -hmm. was i guess a regular worker with fassbender Mm -hmm. and um something i read on fassbender's wikipedia page was like he was regularly physically and mentally abusive to her. Right. He would like toss her around like, and stuff. It sounds like in public terrifying right. ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so yeah, chill it's dude. just interesting. That's such a kind of serene, bittersweet movie mm-hmm. um, came from someone who was so right. And there's not. these hints and there's hints of darkness and hints of violence. I mean, there's the, yeah. um, I think it's the scene, I know we're wrapping up, but I think it's the scene where he goes back to the bar maybe and the the woman who's not the bartender but the other woman that hangs around the bar mm-hmm. that had been like flirting mm-hmm. with him and stuff like says something like, where's your old horse? I can't remember. She says something mean um, and Ali like grabs her, you know, by her shirt and like yanks her up and she kind of backs Very down forcefully. and lets her go. But like, yeah, so it's, you know, there's these moments of sort of intensity um, but it's all very sort of under you know, an undercurrent of everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bummer. Well. <laughs> On that thrilling <laughs> note. <laughs> Let's rate and review. Uh, so, Jenna, how would you, how would, actually, no, Nick, uh, how would you rate this movie? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Thumbs up. Thumbs up? Right. And out of four. Uh, I'm somewhere between a three and a three and a half. Um, okay. I, I probably, I just would like, yeah, I probably, I would like you to remember I went three and a half on 400 blows. Yeah. I'm probably going three and a half. The only thing, the only thing that's keeping me from, uh, like not just saying that confidently is like looking at our next like handful of movies. I don't know if I'm ever going to give a three and I just feel bad that three is being neglected, but um, I think it would be uh, disingenuous to give the three. I think three. Is I too think low. I'll be throwing some threes around soon, yeah. so don't worry. Yeah, I'll give it a three. Um, okay, Jenna, what would you give it? Um, also, thumbs up, obviously. And I, I kind of fell in the exact same place of like leaning back and forth between a, a three and a three and a half. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna go on the downside. I'm gonna go three. Um, still mm. very good. Um, I just on a similar note as nick i want to try to leave room for uh more ratings as it were but i think it just as much as i really love the beginning it's one of those movies kind of like eight and a half which i think i also gave a three that i admired maybe a little bit more than like really loved but it was still an excellent movie yeah sure um like i said the from the first time I watched it, I had it at one of my like all time movies. Um, now it's between a three and a half and a four for me. But I think 
the stuff it does best, which are the, the sweeter romantic moments, like that's the kind of movie that really speaks to the kind of movies I like. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just it hits me where I liked it the most. So I, I I'll go I'll keep I won't completely abandon that movie. <laughs> I'll I'll go for that's fair. Yeah. Um, so next up we have All About Eve, I'm so which um, have you seen, Shannon? I have not. I got the okay. I got the Criterion Blu-ray as a Christmas gift uh, this past year, so I am looking forward to breaking that out tonight. I'm so excited to watch this movie. Yeah, this one's gonna be in general more fun than the past <laughs> few. Yeah, yeah. I I just watched it. We'll talk about it, but I just watched it for the first time a couple months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I am gonna rewatch it because uh, it zips by. Cool. It does. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And yeah, follow that. us on Twitter at Great Movies Pod and Letterboxd at Great Movies Pod. Um, follow our awesome, awesome friend Scott Brady, who I totally want to thank a lot for the art on of the podcast at S Brady Artist on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Bye. I think. Roger out. Roger out. <laughs> Bye. And when I go to the movies. I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.